It's the Odd Drunk Podcast, a very strange podcast, the drunkest show in the world. It's Jackson and Colton talking out of their ass. We don't care as long as drinks are poured. Sometimes we have our friends here. We will talk about anything. Anything. We don't care as long as we have beer. And if you let that whiskey ring. Hello and welcome to the Odd Drunk Podcast. We are back from our break and we are ready to rumble. Yeah. (laughs) In a wrestling themed episode. No, but we should do that. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Anyways, (laughs) uh, we are back to normal here. Our Well, have we ever been normal? We are the Odd Drunk Podcast after all. (laughs) Yeah, normal is not what Um, we do. Uh, the weird is our new normal i'm sure um, there are some weirder podcasts out there but uh oh we, there's yeah there's a lot of you know a lot of podcasts out there we yeah. don't talk about We're those holes uh no <laughs> <laughs> uh we're in a whole sea of uh weirdness and horrible things here on the internet but hopefully we're <laughs> a a nice little uh pocket that you found Anyways, we just got done with our Spooktober uh, series all last month, all spooky topics. Um, but we're back to normal now. Yeah, it was a good. It was a good. How, how does it feel? Feels feels good. Yeah, it went by fast. It did. It, October I, maybe in general went by really fast. Uh, October blew by, but maybe it's. It felt like September was just like a week ago, for me. Yeah. You know, maybe it's just because we're getting older. And I, I, you know, you know how you always hear old people say, "Oh, you you don't know how time flies and everything." Why does it feel that way? Yeah. <laughs> um, it was sad. I've taken we've taken down all our Halloween decorations because we basically put them up in September, so we had them for a couple months. Yeah. Um, our tradition is though we do a Halloween uh, tree, so we actually put up the Christmas tree early. Nice. And then we just keep the tree and then redecorate it for Christmas, of course. Nice. But we're yeah. not weird enough where we decorate for other holidays like uh, Valentine's Day. Or yeah, I started Day taking down it's too much. my Halloween decorations. Uh, been lazy about it, but I refuse to put up Christmas stuff yet. Um, yeah, I'm um, gonna wait a couple don't, weeks. Don't for get Christmas. me wrong; like I, I like getting in the Christmas spirit and. I enjoy the holiday season, so I don't mind hearing Christmas songs on the radio a little early. I'm not one of those people that gets really sour about it, uh, but I refuse to put up Christmas decorations until Thanksgiving. Uh, no, that's fair. Out of principle. Yeah, usually I wait around till Thanksgiving. Um, but yeah, it was a good opportunity to do some deep cleaning in the apartment again. Mm-hmm. You know, took down all the decorations, cleaned up. So, you know, that that worked yeah. out. I was also doing um, a bunch of deep cleaning in the apartment today, uh, not because I was taking out decorations. I actually just intended to just tidy up a little bit. And then I yeah, got it's always away. good to do. You know, that's part of adulting. One <laughs> then, of the... I, then I got carried away, like reorganizing everything. Oh, yeah. <laughs> ended up spending like three hours on it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'll spend three hours you know, on the dumbest thing, like reorganizing my figures or something like that, like even slightly. Yeah. It's like, oh, this guy could look better like, the, you know, <laughs> um, <laughs> or I'll spend three hours just reorganizing my closet, which it needed to be done. Yeah. But whenever I do anything like that, 
it's not just a quick thing. I yeah, I, I tear it all down, down, make a huge mess, and then I'm like, okay, now I got to clean up this mess and organize again. Yeah, um, I, I that, reorganized our closet a little bit. I'm very proud of myself. I had the idea to put up some hooks on the inside of the closet so my fiance can can hang her purses from the hooks. And that can, have you ever did you announce it on the podcast? I don't think you did. I don't think so. Yeah, yeah. I, you just said it. Yeah. Congratulations. Yeah, Thank Colton you. is engaged. But um, uh, big moment but, in his life. I like yeah, that coffee nice. mug. Oh yeah, the office. Um maybe we're doing video. <laughs> but uh no, that was I was very proud of myself. I had the idea of putting up some hooks so she could hang her bags, her unused purses and bags from the wall inside the closet instead of taking up self shelf space. I thought that was that was a clever idea. That's a good idea. <laughs> Anyways, enough of all that boring adulting stuff. We're at Odd Drunk Podcast. We're here <laughs> to drink and entertain. And uh, you can already see the title of this episode. We are continuing our video games in time series. Yeah. Um, but before we get to that, must ask you the age-old question. What are you drinking tonight? <laughs> uh, Today. Well, I mentioned before we started recording, I had a bottle of wine. That I was gonna drink, uh, but it was a red Zinfandel, and I had a glass of it with my lunch, and uh, it made me feel kind of weird. So I decided to not drink any more of that, uh, and I'm drinking some some sweet tea and blueberry vodka. Um, the blueberry vodka, which is has appeared multiple times on the podcast, the same bottle, yeah, not not new bottles of it. We won it in the trivia contest, <laughs> so don't add us. <laughs> it's um, um it's good to have around for uh situations like this where i'm like my my initial drink plan right. fell through so i'm like yeah this is good enough i i actually went out and bought some stuff this time because i'm running low on my reserves so to say i mm. mostly just have some wine left over um i haven't tried it yet actually i tried my other thing um this here from santan brewing company the lumberjack Oatmeal uh. maple amber ale. Ooh, um, that sounds nice. From Chandler, Arizona. I'll try more of my local local breweries and my new nice uh, neck of the woods here. Yeah, I'm not familiar with that brewery. It must they must be uh, relatively you know, it's small. A, it's yeah. a nice um, nice drink for the colder for that weather weather. Yeah, you know, for that eighty hey. degrees we're dealing with here. <laughs> Suckers. Uh. We had uh, we have some days in the forecast coming up that are like fifty five degrees. It's gonna be nice. Yeah, for the highs. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, it'll be nice on one hand because I, you know, it's nice to have kind of fall good fall weather. But uh, on the other hand, right. I'm actually like like transitioning away from using my car as much because my car has a lot of mechanical issues that I can't really afford to fix right now so i'm just yeah. trying to ride a bike or take the bus and walk and, you know in a small town like this it's totally reasonable um and, oh definitely uh, but the cold makes it kind of sucky <laughs> trying to do that yeah that's <laughs> so. that's no fun yeah it's gonna get down in upper 70s next week you know <laughs> not bad not bad yeah um also uh <laughs> for all all you other normies out there, uh, daylight savings just happened. So what means for us, mm, yeah. um, 
we are in the same time zone again, which yeah. makes it a little easier for recording. So I appreciate that. I didn't even have to think about it. It's weird. I've never been. I can't think of that many places where there's no time change in the United States. Arizona is one of them. States, yeah. yeah. Yeah, Arizona just goes by Arizona time, basically, which is essentially, from what I've understood, mountain standard time. Yeah. But if if there's no daylight savings, that, that's <laughs> what it is equivalent to. It's not Pacific time. It's not mountain daylight savings time. And, you know, a lot of Arizonans I've seen like on Reddit and like, no, it's Arizona time. We have our own time. And technically that's true. Yeah. So that, that's uh, a cool nugget. It's it, Arizona is weird like that because it's uh it's mountain standard time during the winter, but uh during the but summer then it's during... California time. It's West Coast. No. During the summer, it's essentially I'm pretty sure California Pacific time is still an hour behind us. I I, I don't know exactly how it no, all no, works, no, or maybe not. You were an hour behind. Oh yeah, we would be Pacific time. That's yeah, Pacific time. It's weird. I don't know. We're Pacific time during the summer, Mountain time during the winter. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we're just different like that over here. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it was nice not uh, worry about it. I mean, honestly, it's both a blessing and a curse here, at least where I live. Um, you know, you wouldn't know any difference between fall and winter. It's yeah. a little cooler. I haven't li- lived here during the winter. I mean, what I expect, yeah, it's going to maybe get down in the 60s for the highs. But, you know, I'm not going to cry about that. Pretty excited. You know, you don't have to shovel out the sunshine. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but I'm not looking forward to those uh, to next July, to those couple hot months next summer. That oh, yeah. that's brutal. Jeez. But yeah. anyways, I also got something else special here. I I've been thinking about it for a long time, looking at it as I pass by. It sounded stupid, but I decided to try it. Maybe it was stupid. It's not bad at all, though. And after looking at some reviews of like. People saying, oh, this is actually a good thing. I got a screwball. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Peanut butter whiskey. It's essentially a liqueur. Let's be real. Pretty um, much. Calling it a whiskey is a stretch. Yeah. Um, but it is. I quite like it. It. I made it with. A, I looked up some cocktails, some seasonal ones. I made it with some hot apple cider. Ooh, that sounds good. Pretty good. And it's actually one of, um, uh, from my bit of research, looking at reviews, because I was like, I want to try this, but I want to see what other people think about it, because I'm not going to just blow 25 bucks if it's just garbage, you know, unanimously garbage. (laughs) Um, But um, I read this review from Bon Appetit. That said, believe it or not, this peanut butter whiskey is legitimately good. As a professional drinks writer, I never thought I'd say this, but Screwball is a flavor whiskey worth buying. And I would have to agree. I want to get it all the time because it's definitely on the sweet side, very syrupy. But as for um, flavored drinks, flavored whiskeys go. Yeah. Uh, 
I hear it's a very it's, genuine peanut butter flavor. Like I it's, hear it's really good with hot chocolate. It does not taste artificial. Yeah. I, um, I hear it's I hear it's good with hot chocolate. Get like a Reese's Ooh, I could imagine peanut butter cup. You like a Reese's flavor. Cup. <laughs> yeah. Um yeah, I've not tried it myself, but we sell it at the liquor store that I work at. I would give it a uh, shot if you um, have stuff to mix it with. Yeah. Yeah. I I so people seem to like it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, but, definitely. Uh, it's definitely one of those things where um, you could drink a whole, you know, a whole bottle of it without realizing it. You know, just, <laughs> it, it just it's, tastes like it's not too bad on the ABV, isn't it? It's uh, no, it's only thirty five percent. That's not um, too bad, which for... is expected from like a liqueur type yeah. of a drink. Um, well, that's that's still not like too bad. There's a lot of liqueurs that are like. 25 percent stuff right and that you know know, at that point what's the point right (laughs) and i would say i recommend the santan uh brewing the lumberjack um nice yeah it says it's a maple amber but it's very subtle with the maple like i wouldn't even say it's maple forward not my nickname in high school but um i would say just a little hint of maple at the end Little hint of maple at the end. That was your nickname in college. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. You got that right, ladies. No, I can't say that anymore. Anyways, <laughs> let's get into this episode before things get a little weird. Too weird. Right. <laughs> We're doing video games in time again. Uh, one of my favorite series that we do. Oh, definitely. Uh, um, and th- this was an easy. This was an easy one to prepare for. Um, I forget. Did we... No, I picked out this year, mm-hmm. and the reason I picked out this year, twenty fifteen. So this is a more recent one. I mean, well, eight years old now at this point. Yeah, recent. which is crazy to uh, hard to comprehend, you know. Um, but I was like, Bloodborne came out this year. That's the only one I really remembered. That and like Arkham Knight, but there's so many like great games. I would say amazing game of the year contender type games that came out this year. Um, you know, just at first glance, I'm like, yeah, this is already probably going to be a S tier year. Uh, but let's really go through and evaluate it. You know, just some of the big ones I mentioned Bloodborne, got Metal Gear Solid 5, Phantom Pain, got Fallout 4. Got Batman Arkham Knight. And I'm not... Oh, yeah, The Witcher 3. Mm-hmm. It says The Witcher 3 Hearts of Stone. Witcher 3 came out. The The DLC is also released that year, too. No, no, why it doesn't... Oh, yeah, there it is. Witcher 3 Wild Hunt. Yeah. I always, For some reason, I thought that came out in 2013. I don't know why. <laughs> I was like, that game was just way ahead of its time. Uh, it's well it still was and it still is it's still an amazing game it released in Um, may of 2015 but those are just a few of the games here um you know a few of the big ones but there's a lot of little sleeper hits and really good indie games that came out this year yeah Um, but before we dive in i just want to go back and look at the previous years we've covered and what we've ranked them yeah we can kind of uh reevaluate that you know see if our minds change or whatever so we've covered 1989 91 and 
2012. Um, every time we do one of these, yeah, reiterating that 2012 was an extremely mid-year, not particularly bad, not particularly good. Um, yeah. We ranked it a C. Nothing special. Really, the only thing, only thing of note that came out that year was uh, Dishonored and Borderlands 2. I don't even know if it was the original Borders, Borderlands. I know it was uh, a lot of sequels that year. I think it might have been Borderlands 2. And there's nothing yeah. wrong with yeah, sequels. Borderlands In fact, most of these... Diablo yeah. 3. A lot of sequels. Uh, Dishonored. And, yeah. you know, this is, of course, for anyone listening, this is all subjective. Uh, this is our opinions. If you disagree with us, let us know. Let us know if you think any of these years deserve a better ranking or if there's particular games that we dog that uh you're like no actually it's a good game damn it then let us know please i, I would like to know your thoughts um are you there yeah but you looked frozen oh no i was uh, i guess you were just just really still okay <laughs> um <laughs> and so we gave that a c and then 2002, we gave an A because you had games like Metroid Prime, Metroid, well, Metroid Fusion. So two yeah. big Metroid games. You had Mario Sunshine, I believe. Um, mm-hmm. Other games, I'm pretty sure. I can't remember. 2002 was just head. a really solid game uh, year for. Uh, there was a lot of good Game Boy Advance games. Yeah, I think it was Morrowind yeah. came out. Oh, yeah. Year. Morrowind, of course. Yeah, uh let's see. Let's see. Uh Vice City. Grand- oh, Vice City. Yeah. Uh Metroid Prime. Uh, oh, the Wind Waker. Right, Wind yeah, Waker. It was a, yeah, it was solid. Pretty year. Good year. Definitely a solid year. Yeah. Um and then 89 and 91. And maybe it's a bit of nostalgia playing into this, but they both got S rankings. But I think yeah. for legitimately good reasons if you listen to those episodes the games we talk about and what we explain. Um, now, this is all relative, of course. We're not saying... Well, yeah, it's relative. I mean, we're comparing it to these games to, you know, the era it came out and how important they were and um, how fun they are to play, you know? Yeah. Um, not every game has to be, <laughs> no pun intended, a game changer, but... Um, are they fun to play? Do they say something? Do they have a good, you know, unique art direction? You know, did they introduce a mechanic that other games didn't do in the past? Um, that's kind of what we're looking at here. Um, anyway, and also just games that uh, are cherished among our memories. Yeah. Like I said, I picked out 2015 because of Bloodborne. So before I get on my Bloodborne rant, Let's uh, talk about some other games here. Well, right. also, I failed to realize that, yeah, Metal Gear Solid Five came out. Yeah, And when that pain. game came out, um, that was the first real Metal Gear. Well, I played Ground Zeroes before that, and I played a bit of, like, Snake Eater and stuff, but not seriously and yeah. not well. You know, I, I, I wasn't really into stealth games, especially as a kid, and, you know anything where you had to take the time to think wasn't good for me <laughs> but um metal metal gear solid 5 phantom pain when it came out i considered it 
to be one of the best games I've ever played ever of all time. Oh, I mean, and it's, it's, it's still, uh, I've, I went back to it for this and I've played it on and off again. I think the, my last save before I went back to prep for this was like 2020. Yeah. Like it is just one of those games that keeps giving. I've gone through the story multiple times. Um, I just like, you know, roaming around, you know, uh, I mean, it's uh, say what you will about the story and like the weird shit that it pulls because it gets. Oh, yeah, it is weird. Um, (laughs) No, I mean, it was the last Kojima Metal Gear, too. Yeah. uh, And Kojima gets weird with it. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, It is probably the one of the one of the best uh, stealth shooter games you know stealth action games ever made oh yeah um easily the other thing i was playing it um you know recently in preparation for this and the thing that hit me is not just how good of a stealth game it is but there's kind of a genre of games um out there now like uh um, arma and uh uh was it the ghost uh uh, Ghost Recon or whatever those games are called, um, that are kind oh, of yeah, just Tom, like, uh, Tom sandbox Clancy's. military like special ops like simulator type of games. Mm-hmm. Um, and this game, I mean, does even though that's not like the point of the game, it does that better than like any of those games do. <laughs> just the idea. Well, of being I remember um... into enemy territory, and you have to. You have to. I remember my uncle and his buddies. I was hanging out with them during this time, and you know we were playing Dark Souls and stuff, and playing some old. Actually, we were playing a uh, Zone Enders. That's such a weird series. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just look up those some of those mechs and their phallic uh, designs. Um, <laughs> I mean, they literally have a cockpit. <laughs> You're right. Uh, but yeah, Zone Enders. <laughs> um, but I remember one of his buddies was just like super, super hyped up about the new Metal Gear. And he was like, this is going to be like a groundbreaking game. And he was showing me trailers and like stuff. For it. And I was like, yeah, I'm on board. I played Ground Zeroes. So I was like, I, I'm definitely into the, what's going on for the new Metal Gear. But I didn't think, I wasn't like, oh, this is going to be like a life-changing game. Yeah. Um, but going through, I mean at least in the early story missions where it's not, well, it gets weird pretty quick. Honestly, there's a lot of stuff I didn't know about lore wise and like all the people like psycho mantis and stuff like young psycho mantis. And, and you're playing as big boss. Yeah. But not. (laughs) Yeah. So it's the, I forget everything that happens. So it uh, is chronologically the second game it's, in the series i think second main line, yeah and it's a prequel to least. the first metal gear yeah so um yeah there's a lot of really weird weird stuff in it um i mean it basically serves as like a um a way to explain like the whole twist of you're not actually playing as big boss is serving as a way to kind of explain how did big boss have the time to build up um what was the the, the private military uh, that he has diamond dogs 
Oh, not Diamond or Dogs. No, that's the, what started um, as, and then it became the... Um, uh, what are they called? Uh, Fox. I, I don't Fox. I don't remember, but um, he basically... It was French. It was a French name. Yeah, but he builds up the, that private military force, the one that you you know are fighting against in the original metal gear basically yeah um so it's explaining how that came to be and this game is basically saying like all the shit that happened in snake eater and that happened before this game takes place um you have this fake big boss who's basically just drawing all the attention so that the real big boss can go off and prepare for the first metal gear game yeah (laughs) which is weird Uh But and uh, yeah, there's a lot of crazy big story moments and cutscenes in this, and you know a lot of unexpected stuff. But it's it's also yeah. James Bond in its presentation. I love the setting in the '80s in Afghanistan, oh, and it's you got know, you I, collect different music tapes and stuff. Do, do and, you ever have? Uh, that's the, that's the best part of the game is collecting the music tapes. Um, do you ever have like you're you're watching a movie like an action movie and you get the the hankering you want to go play a video game that's like reminds you of that movie you just watched um this is I, one of those games i was watching uh kingsman the the secret service um the other day and i was thinking i was like what would be a video game that would kind of scratch that itch and this is the first thing that came to mind of like like yeah this isn't like british spy stuff but it's still like kind of has that same attitude <laughs> like as high action spy um, thriller and I love, yeah, there's so many good moments. Like, I know there's there's a mission where you have to, like, uh, follow these tanks and stuff. And um, and you ride around a horse a lot in the game. So there was yeah, a lot of moments D-horse. that felt like Indiana yeah. Jones to me, you know? Like, uh, yeah, I oh, love yeah. D-Horse. Uh, yeah. Uh, um, yeah. But, like, chasing down tanks on your horse and jumping off and doing crazy stunts. And it, the game gives you a lot of... Uh, freedom to you know tackle any mission how you want to yeah you can play pure stealth or you could just be a madman you know rocket launchers uh you're probably gonna die pretty quickly if you do yeah. that but you can do it and um oh it, it, it doesn't you know really... it has like has an honor system you get the bigger horn like your shrapnel horn and stuff the more you kill yeah. people um and i remember yeah, there was just so many moments that I was like, wow, this is. I, I think I've talked about this before, maybe not on this podcast, but I know I talked about it with you where a game. Just. Has those kind of spontaneous moments that. Either are extremely like well hidden, like the way it's scripted or it's not scripted and it's just yeah. the way the AI is working sort of, and everything. Um, emergent gameplay. Yeah. It has a lot of those moments where I'm like, just there's a the few way games the game from works, this year on that it, we'll talk to that do a really good job with the emergent gameplay sort of thing. Yeah. I mean like stuff like like last time I was playing it, um I don't remember even what mission it is, but it's uh you have to rescue a hostage. And I found myself like I was doing a really good job you know, silently taking out the guards. And I got down into this basement where the hostage was and really quickly, like within 30 seconds, I had, I was on my back on the floor with the machine gun out, like mowing down people because <laughs> who were coming through the door. Right. Because, I, because um, I made one little mistake. 
Mm-hmm. Well, there's a moment where you get attacked by the super soldiers. I forget exactly what they're called. The skull unit, um, whatever they are. The yeah. skull, yeah, the uh, skull units. And um, they're like basically not quite teleporting around, but they're super fast and strong and they'll kill you pretty quick if they get you. And there was a moment where I was all out of ammo. I killed a few of them, but there was just one stalking me with a machete. And I was like crawling, slowly crawling away, about to die. And then I literally backed into a anti-aircraft unit uh, emplacement, oh, and nice. um, <laughs> and then I shot him down with that, and it ended the mission. And it felt, it you know, it, that game has so many of those like yeah emergent moments where it's like the just the way the game's design allows so much freedom and like with the action that you I think everybody could have a unique experience, you know. Yeah. And it felt like the game was catered to like exactly how i went about the mission and um and also one of another standout mission from that game uh is when you first uh encounter quiet oh yeah yeah that's a and super cool sequence that yeah sniper v sniper you, you know cat v mouse thing and um you're crawling around and she's teleporting around and then you get her on her team and then you know uh <laughs> you can get some uh, nice outfits for her. Let's just put it that way. Very, uh, very Kojima, Kojima did not. Yeah, yeah, very Kojima, very anime with yeah. quiet, <laughs> with the physics. Uh, yeah, <laughs> but there, uh, there were so many surprise moments, and especially as someone that was new to the Metal Gear lore and everything at the time. Like I vaguely knew about it and I've seen some gameplay and I played some of the older games. It it was just extremely refreshing at the time. Mm-hmm. But you know, but it still felt like an amazing just action open world game. And oh, it's yeah. open world with purpose. And we've discussed mm-hmm. this uh, numerous times either on this podcast or over on Morning Oddities where so many games feel the need to be an open world and, you know, will fill the world with a bunch of collect-a-thon activities and a bunch of side quests with no purpose. But this game had big open areas, but it wasn't an open area just for the sake of being an open world game. No, you were put into this big open area on on linear missions, you know, and yeah. it just had really good direction. I think there's something to be said about direction and purpose and focus in games that becomes lost in a lot of stuff like with, yeah that, that we were good, talking good about point. it last it manages night manages to be open world but while still being very very focused it doesn't play like an open world yeah um but it's still like enjoys if that makes the, sense. but it, you know it's still because it is an open it world, utilizes you can still it. enjoy like the fun parts of an open world um, yeah and you can still mess around and yeah, yeah, there's plenty of times where I was just crawling around in the box and, oh, and you yeah, know, I, I do, I do collecting guys, putting the parachute on them, recruiting them. You I know, that was always fun. The Metal Gear games strike that perfect balance between being like very serious and even at sometimes very dark, but but then they also get extremely completely campy, campy and goofy. Like, well, if you're if you fail out a mission, I forget how many times, but if you fail out a mission too much. It will give you the option to get the chicken head uh, gear, yeah. where yeah, like or, or, it's or, really or, hard I for mean, enemies to detect you. Like, and like, like when I was replaying it recently, I noticed um, when you're doing like the prologue, 
uh, mission where you're escaping from that burning hospital, um, which the guy helping you escape, that is the actual big boss. Um, so it's big boss is yeah, showing you that, how that's to play the, the twist game. that comes yeah. in later. Yeah. Um, but it's really funny because he'll be, it doesn't try to do that like video game thing where it says like, where he'll say, Oh, you know, steady yourself and, and aim down the sights to, to hit your target. Um, and then it'll show on the screen what you're supposed to press. No big boss actually says press right tr- or left trigger to aim down your sights. <laughs> like they like the characters in the game talk as if they know they're in a video game which is hilarious well that's happened before um, in the metal gear series yeah, where psycho man is like i know your memory card and whatever and yeah well he I, I'm, I'm just talking about like the the entire series in general does a great job with like that sort of silliness um yeah i, I do like there's when you first unlock the cardboard box i think it's ocelot is the one he gets on your radio and 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 tells you that they developed this cardboard box and he's like his comment is he goes like uh oh kazuhira said that uh said that you would want this uh i don't quite understand why but he says just to uh, <laughs> like right. you should have one of these and, it's and you get all the box. memes why are we still here and stuff yeah. stuff like that and also david bowie mm-hmm. uh man yeah, who sold the world killer i don't think it's his version i think it's a different version but uh no, it's not the um, original version, but uh, but yeah, killer soundtrack on that game and like all the Billy Idol and stuff you can unlock. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think there's some cult songs in there. <laughs> she blinded you know, me. You, with you can have a lot of fun with that stuff like that. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of fun '80s stuff. Um, yeah, that's yeah, that's just one of the games that came out this year. Uh, I we mean, could go on and on about that it. That alone uh, is. I'm looking at the game of the year. Worth it. I want to, before we so move the, on, yeah. because it's related to Metal Gear, I want to talk about another game real quick. There's not a lot to say about it, but it came out on the same day as Phantom Pain. So it got very, it got overshadowed, but it's actually really what? solid. It's Mad Max. Oh, yeah. In 2015. That's a, a, a surprisingly... That's kind of a sleeper hit. Yeah, a surprisingly solid open world game. It has the arkham style combat um which is good but it does a good job of like you have like shotgun shells that are instant kills but uh you only have so many shells at any time so you have to use it carefully so it's good resource management but the coolest part of the game is that throughout the game you build up your mad max muscle car and customize yeah i've seen some gameplay um, i've never played it myself but and uh that's just i mean there's not a lot to say about it uh other than it's a surprisingly it good yeah well it's it was forgotten partly because uh you know it's a movie tie-in which yep. everyone always writes off immediately as like not worth our time even though well, they are it, mostly bad yeah it's a movie tie well it's sort of a movie tie-in like it was a tie-in with fury road it's not uh it kind of serves as an adaptation as its, yeah it serves as its kind of own version of the mad max universe um but yeah. Also, it came out on the same day as Phantom Pain. Um, so why would anyone play Mad Max when they could play Phantom Pain? <laughs> well, yeah, I, I, uh, I'm glad I live in the, uh, the universe where I uh, got Phantom Pain. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but that is a surprise. But somewhere good out game there, I got Mad Max. <laughs> somewhere out there in the multiverse, I got Mad Max, and I'm ranting why it's such an underrated classic and such a great game, and that. 
you know, oh, I should have got Phantom Pain, but I got Mad Max instead. Um, <laughs> I'm just looking at the Game Awards, uh, Game of the Year nominees. So yeah, Witcher three, yes, one Game of the Year at the Game Awards. There's other um, award programs because I know Undertale. I forget which one, like uh, which uh, Game Awards thing it did, but I know Undertale also got Game of the Year. But with the Game Awards, yeah, The Witcher 3 won, and I know we're about to talk about that here in a second. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but some of the other nominees uh, were Fallout 4, Bloodborne, Phantom Pain, and Super Mario Maker, which we were talking about a bit last uh, what, yeah. on our um, um, morning oddities. I mean, I will hold to Super Mario Maker is one of those games that it was really good. Super Mario Maker 2 came out and kind of proved that the first game was really kind of just testing the grounds. Yeah. Um, And then the second, because Mario Maker 2 is way, way better. There's so much more you can do, um, you know, but so, so much, many more tools. I mean, it's definitely worth like a good mention because it's a really cool franchise. We talked about it on Morning Oddities. Uh, Mario Maker 2 is probably the best Mario game you can buy on the Switch um, because it's basically infinite Mario levels. <laughs> yeah, and I have at, it. <laughs> at whatever difficulty that you want them to be at. like. Well, it's uh, hard to say that it's like equivalent to like an actual Mario game release, like with Mario Wonder. Yeah, true. It yeah. seems a little unfair, but if you just want to as much mario as possible yeah and the 2d platforming experience yeah just well, get it's, mario it's maker kinda, some we'll of the discussion that i've heard around mario, mario wonder at least leading up to mario wonder what before they had when they had just announced it was uh along the lines of they have to do something kind of to make it fun like refresh the the series a little bit yeah and they absolutely did um yeah and uh but the and reason why people were feeling like they they have to do something like that is because they're like because super mario maker has pretty much exhausted all of the options for the old formula yeah like so <laughs> they have to they have to refresh so it to i would say yeah work. the original super mario maker while it is superseded by its sequel still is a great you know kind of platform of a game yeah um but getting into some other contender well let's let's okay elephant in the room witcher 3 yeah still to this day one of the best rpgs of all time oh it's it's probably in my and i don't think it has i don't think there's any game i mean at least in its format open world action rpg I don't think there's any game recently that has really superseded it. I think there's games that have, you know, been equivalent to it, you know, like Elden Ring and like with uh, Tears of the Kingdom and stuff like that. But I think Witcher 3 stands on its own as its own experience. I mean, just with the dialogue with Geralt and all the different characters and Yennefer and everything and like the beginning quest, it just feels like there was so much care put into it and it it feels it's I mean, actually kind of mind-boggling that it came out in 2015. It feels more like a 2018 release to me. I mean, 
which are three i think what it does the two things it does i think so expertly is um it manages to combine like a deep narrative rpg with a pretty fast-paced action style yeah um because you look at the the souls franchise they do the action rpg you know expertly but they're yeah, not these deep narrative rpgs though um no you you're at... yeah. <laughs> you're reading the lore from a pair of gloves you know yeah or or you look at something like uh um you know recent uh Baldur's gate 3 and um uh larian stuff before that the divinity games which do the the narrative rpg expertly and while the the gameplay is fun it's not an action rpg no i mean it's it's, what Baldur's um, gate 3 it's about as pure of an rpg as you can get yeah Um, and witcher 3 manages to combine those two style like games really really well Um, yeah and the other thing that's kind of looking well that's a beautiful game Oh yeah, yeah. Even uh, just the original version, not the remastered. Like I, I played the original a few years back. I got it on sale. They're always having a good sale on it for some reason. But um, uh, with I got it with all the DLC, and I was just blown away. And then yeah. just recently, they came out with the ray tracing version with the 4K upscaling and whatever. Yeah. And yeah, that's what I play on now on PS5. And then I heard the Switch version actually runs well. I the haven't Switch played version it on Switch, is, The Switch version is surprisingly good. Um, I've been playing it on the Steam Deck, uh, which is great. Um, but, I mean, the other thing that it does, which I guess, like, this shouldn't be impressive. And there's a few games from, you know, this year that do a good job with it, too. But uh, The Witcher 3, uh, when it comes to the amount of content they gave you, that was all quality content mm-hmm. um, is just mind boggling. I mean, it's, it, it's one of those games where just running through the story, not doing a lot of side side content. It's a 60 hour game. No, it's a um, long play game. And, and then on top of that, there's a side content. And then on top of that, there's the two DLCs, which mm-hmm. add 20 hours of gameplay each. It's a huge game. Like it's 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 insane. don't expect to just jump into Witcher Three to play a couple hours and you know feel. I maybe that's. I think that's the only thing to its you know detriment is yeah it's a long play game. It's not yeah. something you can just jump into. You got to dedicate a lot of time into it. Um, mm-hmm. but it's worth it. It's yeah, <laughs> um, and um... it's definitely worth it. And I, I personally, I, I love the writing in the game. I mean, Geralt is one of my favorite video game protagonists. Um, oh, yeah. Of all time. I That's a game that what a I, Chad. I remember it came out in 2015. I didn't buy it immediately. I bought it later that year. Didn't play it very much, but maybe 10, 15 hours into it because I got distracted by Fallout 4. Um, which also came out this year. Yeah, which we'll talk about. Um and then it was after I moved to uh, when we were living in the dorms and I re-downloaded Witcher Oh, I know you got huge into it at that and, time. And uh, got obsessed with it and played nothing but The Witcher 3 for like a month. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and it 
yeah, like I said, I mean, there's not many open world games that out, you know, outclass it even to this day. I mean, it it is so timeless. Like it feels like it could have came out last year, especially yeah. with the remaster they just did. <laughs> and it's and it is um, one of those games too where I've played it enough where I can kind of jump in um and play it little bits at a time because and uh, I, I don't know I, I mean you know how like sometimes... I must admit though I've only put about 40 hours into it which is nothing noob yeah <laughs> so um, it is a game I do plan on playing a lot more but yeah. there's well there's been a lot of new games this year so it's been right. hard <laughs> yeah I only have so much <laughs> to time. play everything uh, but, uh, but uh but you know you know sometimes yeah. when you play like a game and then you get distracted by other games or by life or whatever and you go back to it and you have to like you don't remember what's going on in the game so it feels so new um witcher 3 is one of them where i'm familiar enough with with it where i like i don't have that problem of i don't remember what's happening well game. another game so on I this can list pick it up at any point and just play it for a bit uh so it's kind of um, one of those games that has a a permanent spot on my hard drive so what are what are the games you actually picked up in 2015 Fallout 4, I played uh, launch night. Oh, me too. Fallout yeah. 4 launch, yes. Uh, I remember pre-downloading it and playing it at 9 p.m. on the night before I didn't do. I didn't pre-download it. I actually fit, I got the physical copy. Oh, nice. That's yeah. when I still cared about the physical copies. Well, I, I was um, I was playing on PC by this point. So, okay. Yeah. Okay, fair. <laughs> I had a they don't, Yeah, there's no... Um, physical games are completely dead on pc at this point yeah um, um even al- then it was hard to find although a physical... i although i did see a physical copy of the pc version of fallout 4 at walmart a few months ago which was oh really wild that's wild <laughs> i was like <laughs> <laughs> but uh i'm like has this been i here? um has this been i remember since um, 2015 i drove all the way to a, a mall that had it i checked at the games out because uh it was selling pretty fast i just drove there got the game and didn't look at anything else because i was so excited for it and no. then drove all the way back and it was like you know a good 20 minute drive each way not too far but far enough where you know i could have taken some time to look at around at the mall but i was just so excited i put that thing in and yeah fallout 4 uh even just the vanilla version which i played for most of my time um yeah it's not without its problems it's not a perfect game i mean it's a bethesda game it's got all their quirks you know but and, you know, the voiced protagonist was a kind of controversial thing at the time. But, yeah. you know, I played New Vegas and then I played Skyrim. So I was so ready for Fallout 4. And my first playthrough, I was into the voice protagonist. I actually thought it was cool and fun. I was like, oh, we can actually it, it feels more immersive this way because we're playing a real, you know, character. But then. You know, gets, then I got kind of, I, I quickly got tired of it. Yeah, I, I, the, the, the there wasn't pro- enough good dialogue options. Yeah, and... the voice protagonist. It's I think the main problem with it is that after a couple, after like it start, you start to feel limited in 
like your actual yeah. role playing because um, well the way i played and, and the, the game though the problem is it's like you take something like the witcher 3 which has a voice protagonist but it works there because this is an established character that they're giving you yeah and you're and not all expecting of the, all of the choices that you can make in the dialogue are all choices that Geralt would reasonably possibly choose yeah versus bethesda doesn't do that style they're trying to do give you a sandbox yeah and that's you know, well, in my first playthrough, I usually go through the main quest, do some side quests, but I, I stick in a, a in the main quest through line in my first playthroughs. And then after that, that's where I really go crazy and, you know, try different builds and different archetypes. And mm. that's where Fallout 4 let me down at the time. Yeah. There was not a lot of freedom with uh, choice and just the way your character acts and behaves because it's voiced and it felt very well, it's, um, uh, you know, scripted. I mean, it was obviously is... scripted. Not that it doesn't but have the... good side quests at all. Like, there are some good ones in there, but... Uh... Oh, I love the Underground Railroad stuff. But the, well, And the it problem, still had... The problem is, it's so... The Elder Scrolls has always been good about this. The other Fallout games kind of tie it into the main quest a little bit, but still have like their faction quests. Yeah. And the way Fallout 4 is structured is that all of the faction quests are the main story. Yeah. They're just it didn't alternate feel... paths through the main story. Right. Um, um, so it doesn't give you the option of like installing however... the game, getting an alternate start mod, and then just being a brotherhood person you know versus like it, it, it was definitely ignore the main story and be um you know a, a uh you just go do the thieves guild it was definitely much weaker for the rpg aspects but everything else the gameplay the world was all yeah. substantial improvements from previous fallout games oh yeah and yeah. i am a new vegas diehard guy and yeah new vegas is my favorite world and technically Bethesda didn't even make that. That was Obsidian. Mm-hmm. And uh Obsidian back. But when New Obsidian Vegas, the gunplay, had, um... I don't care what you say. You use VATS 90% of the time in New Vegas because the mm-hmm. gunplay was trash. And <laughs> is the gunplay like Battlefield or Call of Duty levels in Fallout 4? No. And I'm sure it's not in Starfield either. I'm sure it's pretty similar. But <laughs> It's good enough. <laughs> yeah. And honestly, the world, I, I love the whole, I've always liked the Fallout aesthetic and everything. You know, it's like if, retro futuristic 50s, you know, but it's mm-hmm. in the post-apocalypse. Um, I, I felt like when you first step out of the vault, I just had that wow moment. Yeah. And, um, well, well, one thing is Bethesda we mentioned, usually does a good job with we that. We mentioned when talking wow about um, Phantom Pain, that emergent gameplay thing, and Fallout Four is the other game this from this year that comes to mind as does a really good job with the emergent gameplay. As as you're wandering around the world, interesting stuff just happens. Oh yeah, um, it it does feel a bit more scripted. Yeah, but, but your first playthrough, you don't really realize that. Yeah. Um I think with emergent gameplay, I think what Phantom Pain, like there's a few games that do this very well, like Phantom Pain, Red Dead Redemption 3. I mean two, not three. 
maybe we'll be what? talking about that in the future. <laughs> but, but um, where and Red Dead Two has tons of scripted moments, you know, that feel like emerging gameplay. But I, I think what I'm really trying to get down to is where stuff happens just because of the game's mechanics and AI, not mm-hmm. because it was a pre-scripted thing. Well, Fallout 4 does But there's have, still stuff like that. that share of no, it still has that. Yeah. yeah. So, like, they have, like, Brotherhood of Steel patrols that will be wandering around and melting yeah. fights. Or you'll have you'll be wandering around and there will be pre-placed enemies. And, yeah, the enemies are pre-placed, but, like, sometimes their AI does or doesn't lock on to you. And attack yeah. you and, and stuff like that. I mean, no, Fall of War still has plenty of that. It's not as complex as like Phantom Pain's emergent uh gameplay, but it's it's there though, which is fun. And that's yeah, that is I think the best part of Fallout 4. I also Well, in your uh, first playthrough, it's you know, the even the scripted moments like uh random moments like with the UFO crash and stuff, mm-hmm. and your first playthrough, those are all wow moments, like whoa, yeah. you know, and then you go follow it and everything. Um, however, also, Fallout 4... Well, I was going to say also before... Uh, admittedly, also, the settlement system, while it's controversial, I love the settlement system. I didn't get too into it my first um, when I first got it. I'm more into it now it's, than I was then. In the default game, it's a little harder to get into because of like how the, the resource management, how that works. But um, Right. But I, yeah, but when you get into it, um, which I think was where we were heading with mods, makes yeah. The game... So Fallout Four still lives on to its this day because of mods, and I have a heavily modded uh, version that I've been playing through recently, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> where I have like different atmospheric mods, and I even have EMB. I, I deactivated recently so I can get it running a little better. But yeah, but um, oh, but I have the whole atmosphere where it feels like a different game. Like I have more greenery, like growing on buildings and you know, like Mm -hmm. textures and stuff like that. More plant vegetation, and you can change the whole vibe of the game that way. And I have my game where it's you know, it feels very eerie and spooky. But um, yeah, the mods are maybe. I I about as good as Skyrim mods. I mean, they're pretty good. I think they're easily, easily yeah. as good as Skyrim mods. Um, the difference between Fallout 4 and Skyrim when it comes to modding is I think Skyrim is a game that doesn't need it. So the mods just serve to enhance it. Fallout 4 right. does, I think, need the mods. Um, if you do play with mods, it's awesome. Well, yeah, just quality of life stuff, even um, and like gunplay mods, and like you know, yeah. get different weapons, and it's it's like uh, this difference of texture like when, I, when I play modded Skyrim these days because I've been modding Skyrim since twenty twelve, <laughs> right? Since its uh, inception. Yeah. Uh, when I play Skyrim these days, modded, I usually play kind of a vanilla plus style, which is why, right. like you know, I play on the Steam Deck often, um, and you can mod through the Nexus mod page on the Steam Deck, but it's kind of a pain in the ass because of the Linux system and how you have to set it up. Um, so with Skyrim, I I actually usually just play with the Bethesda.net like built-in mod support. 
because with yeah. Skyrim, that's acceptable. You can just play with those mods and have a great time. But Fallout 4, I have like 100 plus mods. Yeah, Fallout 4. And that's 4, like a I low. Have, yeah, I have a good like 80 something mods installed on Fallout 4 on my Steam Deck. And it was a, took forever to install them because there's a few ways you can do it. You can either get a mod organizer installed on the Steam Deck, which is a pain, or what you can do is basically just mod it on your pc and then transfer all the data files to the steam deck um which is what i did for fallout 4 so i have like 80 something mods running on it nice Um, but um i mean i don't want to i don't want to give fallout 4 too much credit because saying that a game is great with mods is not an excuse for the game because even vanilla though yeah, does I don't think it aged as well as some a lot of these other games we're talking about. But you also can't ignore the mods because that's it, something you I can actually, do. Though, with I do it. think that Fallout 4 has aged pretty well, but mainly just because it's it comes from an era that was before all of this really toxic like post-launch content attitude that developers have. Um, right like Fallout that is 4 true out of the gate is fine you know it had issues at launch some some optimization and stuff like that but uh like it's fine well and it's a fun world to play in and oh, i i think it's... it's one of my favorite fallout settings i think boston is a really good yeah, setting boston i think there's some missed opportunity because there's so much like history in boston that they kind of brush on on the surface but they could have made more of a thing but right i mean i'm not gonna knock at points for i love the quest of taking the, um, advantage of stuff that they could have what is it the ship the ss um oh yeah uh the old u.s navy ship yeah i don't remember what it's called but i i know the washington I know the, uh, maybe not the washington, i know the quest like with the robots um, running it yeah it's a fun yeah. it's a fun uh, quest i i find um, also i find in and I remember that quest because it's like the the main character. His background is that he's a veteran, so it's like he, you, you know, it explains why you're able to use the power armor and stuff like that right off the bat without needing a perk for it. But like in quests like that, right. they do a good job of implementing like how he interacts with these robots because he was a military guy. Um, oh, and also, yeah, you just mentioned the power armor was a huge upgrade compared to yeah. previous Fallout games. It I actually love felt power like power armor. You suit up, yeah. and you know it has weight to it, and I, you actually you have the bullets bouncing off you and stuff. And you know you get enough damage, you get certain pieces that you I know, do agree with some of the criticisms that they give you the power armor way too early. And yeah, but it was also you don't have to earn it. It makes sense. Yeah. Because um, it was one of those big wow moments of the game. Yeah. But like if if they But were it to, is extremely easy. If they were to say to like remake armor. Fallout 3 or New Vegas, if they didn't do Fallout 4 style power armor in those games, I would be disappointed. I'd Oh, we would all riot. Yeah, because that was awesome. Well, I think it would <laughs> be even it would probably benefit even more in one of those games because it's so hard to get power armor. But like when you finally do, you know, it'd yeah. be such a big because upgrade. But the like I've been running about the power armor come to how it was implemented into the progression, not the actual power armor itself, because that was right. awesome. Like, <laughs> yeah, but honestly, I it for all the power armor brotherhood of steel guys out there, 
you could just jump in the game and like immediately start a power armor build mm-hmm. pretty much. I mean, once you yeah. get to that one quest, early quest, you get some basic power armor and There's then some you cool can power run armor uh, customization in the game. You can put paint jobs on it and stuff. Um, yeah, I actually they... have a mod that adds like a dragonborn style power uh, armor with a I big know, axe. I know that one. Yeah, that's a great one. Um, yeah. Um, there's, I mean, there's a lot of, a lot of power armor mods that add new power armor, new paint jobs, but even in the base mm-hmm. game, there's the Adam cats faction, which they're like greasers basically. Yeah. Um, and I appreciate that through that faction, you can basically get like, you can soup up your power armor, like you would a hot rod, which is awesome. Yeah. It's like the, it, it seems like well, such you a can natural have... like thing with that fifties aesthetic that you, you should can be have able your... to do. Like power armor garage and like stuff. And I have a mod that has like a high tech bunker you go into and it's cheaty, but it's fun. Okay. Where you can store all your power armor and stuff. But it Um, it makes the power feel more like an actual, like, like a vehicle, like a thing. Yeah. That was always my problem with the other games. It it was just one of those things you had to have high stats for. And uh, it, it didn't feel like anything. It wasn't all that impressive. Yeah. yeah, it gave you good stats, but that's about it. Um, it was very surface level. But yeah, in Fallout 4, the way they reinvented it is like it it changes the gameplay a bit. You know, you have mm-hmm. that weight to your character and you have the visor and everything you're looking through. But you can, if you're in first person and like all the modifications you can do. I, I think that was one of the uh, better parts about Fallout 4 yeah. as far as stuff it introduced. Um, and and with with mods, the settlement system also shines a bit more. Um, oh yeah, there's a great like mod, quality life stuff. And... There's a great mod. Uh, I don't. I think it's called Conquest. And there's no excuse to not play with it because every version of Fallout Four, including the PlayStation Four and the Xbox, has this mod available. But it makes it so you can have settlements anywhere on the map. Right. And yeah. That's a... It's awesome. <laughs> That should have been default, honestly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but anyway, but the next game I really want to talk about, yeah, Bloodborne. Yeah, I remember. Um, this was the f- one of the first games I bought that year, and um, I played Dark Souls before, sucked, got fed up, and quit. But then I, you know, started seeing the press mm. about Bloodborne up to its release. And I was like, oh, it's from the Dark Souls guys, but it looks more fast paced and it's in a cool uh, Victorian kind of Lovecraftian setting. The setting is amazing. This dark horror. Yeah. yeah. And um, and I bought it and man, I got good at it. And <laughs> it was honestly at that time, this I, game came out in March, so it was an early release for 2015. Yeah, it was early in the yeah. in the year, and it took me a while to beat it. Actually, I n- not because of the difficulty curve, and also it was it was just there was so much to explore, and I wasn't I I wasn't really trying to look up walkthroughs and stuff. I was really just getting into the game and grinding in the dungeons and stuff like that, but. I remember still I remember when we were roommates. Yeah. Um, you know, I've always kind of struggled with Dark Souls a little bit. Like 
it's not that I don't appreciate the games, but it's like they're very slow. It's different from mm-hmm. what I'm used to, and I've and it, I I haven't gotten to the point where it's clicked with me yet, uh, which is why I liked Elden Ring more because it it gives you more options. But I remember yep. briefly picking up Bloodborne on your PS4 and immediately liking the feel of it more. Well, yeah, it's, it's fast paced combat. It rewards you for being reckless. Like you'll get more health just from uh, uh, killing enemies and stuff like that. And um, <laughs> um, yeah, so gameplay wise, you know, it's way faster paced than, than the previous Dark Souls games. Um, and then Dark Souls 3 kind of adapted some of that faster place gameplay, which the hardcore Soul, Soul, Souls fans did not like. They wanted to be sluggish, um, like the previous entries. But with Bloodborne, just the whole world and aesthetic and this journey you go on, where it starts out as this kind of classic, like Victorian werewolf setting, you know, everything seems relatively normal for a from software game at least <laughs> yeah and then it goes ball to the walls crazy with all the lovecraftian stuff oh it's and, insane i remember you watching know, you play some of it be like this is even for like a souls born type of game like from from software it is fucked up <laughs> oh yeah and it's horrifying i remember my first playthrough playing with headphones and playing my dark room and just the uh, the game has some of the still to this day i would love to see like a remake of it but honestly it doesn't even need that like it still stands to the test of time just its art style and art direction come on a pc port would be nice hey even i want that (laughs) that would be amazing um Um, speaking of that there is i just just now found uh there's a twitter account uh just is bloodborne on pc and the entire all of their posts are either bloodborne memes or um bloodborne has not been announced on pc as of 9th of march 2022 and they just post that like over and over again (laughs) like no sony's extremely um greedy and you know protective of bloodborne I it's get. A, I understand know, PlayStation why. exclusive. Yeah, there's um, a couple. There's... I even heard rumors they might do a movie of it or something. I've heard Which, something. About okay. That. Yeah. I've, there's um, two PlayStation games that I am dying for them to port to PC. One of them is Ghost of Tsushima. Um, but oh, yeah. Bloodborne is the other. I just, I really, really want to get this on the Steam Deck and give it. But a really I could fair easily. Shake, we could. You know. We could easily do a Bloodborne lore episode on this. Uh, podcast much like our dark souls lore episode but um i i i played it's one of the games that i've new game plus like seven times eight times something like that i have 150 hours on it just on one character just on one character it's it's fun Uh, seeing seeing your uh speaking of hours uh real quick going back to i'm looking on steam right now fallout 4 i have 345 hours into fallout 4 and uh Probably 300 of those hours are because of mods. <laughs> oh, of course. Yeah. Because <laughs> right. I don't think I made it through um, one playthrough before I started modding it. <laughs> but uh, with Bloodborne, though, it was a horrifying game, and it's still a horrifying game. It has some of the best atmosphere and like art direction I've ever seen in a game. And, you know, the enemy placement and just the way 
everything is weird and horrible and out there to kill you, but you are so capable. Like it, it really empowers it. I think out of all the games, like this is the game where you really become the monster. You know what I mean? Yeah. And um, and with all the boss fights, um, it gets hard. It's still one of the hardest Souls games out there, actually, um, especially if the DLC. But um, it's still out of all their games, though, it empowers you the most. Um, because just the way it's designed, even you get power from their blood and you it says pray vanquish you're the hunter you know that kind of thing mm -hmm. but um yeah. one of the first moments where you come across uh over the bridge and uh yarnum um and you hear that blood curdling scream you, you're not sure what it is but it's horrifying there's so many moments like that where you just hear somebody screaming or you know old cockney british people yelling at you from their doors you know um um but then when you fight the blood star or no not the blood star bees the cleric beast the first time i remember <laughs> that boss actually kind of lulled me into a sense of oh maybe this is easier than dark souls because i actually beat that boss my second try on my first playthrough i was yeah. like okay but then you get the fodder Gaswin or Gaswin or how do you pronounce how does he pronounce it? Gaswan, something like that. You get yeah. the him, and he's the first like hunter that you That's... fight, and that changes the whole pacing I, of the game. I remember that feeling and when you're fighting someone um, just as fast as you with a blunderbuss and I remember that feeling playing uh the the little bit of Sekiro that I played, where like because of how fast and mobile you are. It make it lulls you into a false sense of security, and then Sekiro turns out to be right. like one of the hardest Soulsborne games. Uh, oh yeah, Sekiro is crazy hard. Yeah, I still have like, that one. At least at the very beginning of the game, it's like because of like your mobility and the tools you have, it lulls you into this false sense of like, okay, yeah, maybe, maybe this won't be so bad. Uh, well, and also compared to the Souls games, you don't have like a hundred different swords and axes and weapons to look through. No. I mean, in the beginning, you you have the option of the the chain whip, the big blood, the big saw cleaver, and then um, the hunter's axe. You have those mm -hmm. three options because it's more about uh, your actual combat style than the weapon itself. Uh, right. And yeah, you get uh, crazy stuff. And the whole weapon transformation thing is so much fun and so satisfying to do combos with. And you parry with your blunderbuss, and um, and yeah, the lore gets crazy and deep, and you end up, you know, you find out that it gets more and more Lovecrafty, and more is revealed, and like you're fighting elder gods and all this stuff, and you could become one, and then if you get the right ending, if you get the umbilical cord, you can become a little squid baby, uh, all this crazy stuff, and um. But I think that game, what it nails just so well is its atmosphere and its art direction. Yeah. And every corner, you don't know what horror is going to be around the corner. <laughs> and um, it, I remember at the time, 
And still to this day, it is one of my favorite games of all time. And so is Phantom Pain. And so is Witcher 3, which yeah. is saying a lot about this year. There's not I many mean, years where I have multiple games um, where I could say it's my one of my favorite games of all time. Only, only, and, every, only every once in a while do we have a year that has so many games that like still to this day, if you go on any YouTube game ranks or IGN or anything like that, they are referencing these games. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. <laughs> but going back to Bloodborne for a little bit, I um, I recently did a brand new playthrough, completely fresh, without doing any crazy exploits. I didn't even do Kumpf. <laughs> you know the Kumpfka dungeon? No. Uh, there's a Chalice dungeon, and if you type in Kum, P-F-F-F-K, or I, I forget how many Fs or Ps are in it, Um but it will spawn you in this dungeon and you walk like a few feet forward and then something happens off screen where a bunch of guys die and you get a bunch of blood souls. And you can just <laughs> do that over and over if you want easy mode for that game. That's, um, That's fine. So yeah, and it still works. It still works. Nice. <laughs> and the Chalice Dungeons... I mean, that's a whole other game in itself within the game, you know, that you can grind and, you know, fight some of the hardest bosses there. Um, but I think the what's like uh, from software is like vague storytelling, like in the background and like they do great storytelling within the atmosphere, within the setting, you know, not just from the items and stuff. And there is mm-hmm. cut scenes in this, but I think. I mean, this is one of the best examples of how they do their storytelling just through the environment. Like you end up in old Yarnum and you see all the werewolves put on crosses burning and stuff like that. And you can see what has been happening uh, to the city. You travel further in the depths and um, yeah, it's just crazy. And it's still one of the most horrifying games I played and it's not technically a horror game, but damn it. It's, it definitely gets spooky. Um, but I think, and then with the boss designs, I mean, you're either fighting other hunters and it's extremely fast paced or you're fighting big lumbering giants or you're fighting a big fast thing. Like it's mm-hmm. mostly fast pace. And, um, it rewards you for learning their weaknesses like with other um from software games you know it's good boss design but um and also you have the multiplayer elements and that was one of my favorite aspects of the game just doing some pvp with my friends uh one of my good friends that um one of my old sweet mates i guess you could say uh, me and him would just play Bloodborne for hours and hours, just grinding and yeah. just doing dungeons for hours and just like upgrading or <laughs> leveling up our characters and then traveling the world and getting lost, getting lost in the Forbidden Woods and, and like in the witches um, woods. And uh, I forget all the names of the locations, but uh, there were so many surprises in that game too. Like as soon as I thought I've seen all the different boss types, they throw something else in or they throw a guy in with a bunch of snakes for heads, you know, and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, or a guy that is just snakes, just a big pile of snakes, just snakes. Yeah. And then you fight like aliens, you know, and weird, <laughs> uh, deities and, um, squid people. And you go to the fishing hamlet and that's where it becomes like uh 
the Lovecraft. Um, what's the story? The uh, Shadow over Innsmouth. Yeah, yeah. It, you know, it, <laughs> there's a lot of stuff like that. But yeah, I mean, I we could do a whole episode on any of these games, really. But I would love to do a lore episode on Bloodborne at some point. Right. Because uh, that that lore is, you think the Dark Souls lore is crazy and convoluted and weird. You're ready for Bloodborne. Oh, yeah, and when I... you fight, I mean, there's so many memorable moments. Like when you fight um the boss that still kicks my ass to this day. Um, what's his name? Uh, Father. No, not Father. Uh, he's the one with the moonlit great sword and fyi the moonlight great sword sword is in every from software game i even have it for my mech in armored core 6 it's pretty sick oh nice <laughs> um oh what's his name i gotta look it up not father lawrence even though he's an incredibly hard boss as well um Uh, Ludwig. Ludwig, yeah, yeah. What a nightmare that boss was. <laughs> um, still, I mean, it's not one I can consistently beat. Like it still takes a lot of tries to this day. Yeah. Um, and then there's other ones like going into my uh, new playthrough. I'm not using any exploits. I'm just playing it like a normal person. Um, yeah, I'm I'm sped run through a lot of it now because I I know all the secrets and I know where to find stuff and I know how to navigate. Um, but I'm I'm getting close to that point where I'm like, yeah, I'm just gonna get to the hard bosses now and I just have to deal <laughs> with that. But you know, with any from software game, it does you do get that huge sense of accomplishment and um empowerment when you finally just get it and when you understand it and it's like when you break through the matrix and everything and like when you do i've done speed run playthroughs of dark souls 3 where it only took me like 10 hours <laughs> and when, that's not fast for speed runners but that's fast for me um going through the whole campaign you know? well it's it's funny um, that dark the, dark the, all the souls born games are technically very short games comparatively right if you just, just beat every but, boss the first yeah, time if, if you could but, boss, if you could beat every boss the first time they're not i think what bloodborne all. does really well um, though is like there's so many moments where you're not just spending a lot of time fighting the same boss over and over no you're just like getting lost in the same area and you know yeah. trying to find your way and getting killed by all the random enemy stuff um but yeah, there's Bloodborne, still one of my favorite games of all time. And um, it's yeah. still one I can go back to and enjoy. Um, One game before we move on to another one that'll take up more time that I want to talk about briefly. Just Cause 3 came out in 2015. Oh yeah, that's just... Um, stupid fun there's not a ton to say about it uh just because two i remember when that came out was one of those games that amazed me when i saw gameplay of it and right. i remember just the you know, scope of it i remember playing the 
the down the free demo of it um which was one of those demos that they just gave you like a 15 minute timer in the open world to do whatever you want with and i remember playing that and uh just because three i mean not everyone hates just because four but just because three kind of is like the pinnacle of that series like it just oh yeah affected that like chaos open world thing and what it does so well is that like from the moment you start the game everything you do contributes to your towards your progression yeah um blowing shit up blowing shit up taking over bases doing the mini games everything is progression like yeah there are story missions but it's and you don't have to do all the open world stuff to progress but like at no point are you wasting time by like just messing around in the open world you know and that's a it's a good no anything new yeah it's a it's just a it's just a good good game the wing Pure chaos is a lot of fun uh, oh yeah that's a ton of fun um i i don't i'm not sure which game you're talking about there's some other ones i want to mention real quick yeah herbal space program never played it ton of fun <laughs> Well, let me just say it's a ton of fun if you actually understand the mechanics and everything. <laughs> For me, it's more fun to watch people that actually take the time. I've watched the, plenty um, of YouTube videos on it, but I've never played it myself. Because it does get to the point where it is just like a NASA simulator, just with some fun charm. Yeah. Where you have to get the orbit trajectory right and everything. And uh, But, you know, definitely got to mention it. I, I've only played a little bit of it. I've gotten into orbit. I haven't like landed on the moon or anything yet. Yeah. Cause I, I don't have the time to just sit around and um, try to land on the fake moon, <laughs> but I definitely got to mention it. Um, Another one is mortal Kombat X. Yeah. We've played plenty um, of that, uh, which is, yeah, it's so fun. I mean, I like 11 definitely. And I heard one is a lot of fun but different with the cameo system and stuff and they're gonna mm-hmm. add omni man and everything which is cool yeah um, i've seen the the gameplay for that but yeah mortal kombat x though is kind of the peak of the new mortal kombat era for me yeah nine was a ton of fun but x i mean just has so many good characters with like the dlc characters jason predator uh i think yeah. letter phases in it alien <laughs> and then um you know, it's just, and yeah, a lot of people don't like all the environmental kills and like the exploits and the X-ray does get a little nuts in it, but it's just, mm-hmm. uh, for me, for that type of Mortal Kombat game, I think it's the peak. Yeah. Um, I... but 11 is also quite fun, but it introduces like the gear system from injustice Two. Right. Um, yeah. So it does feel a little different. Yeah, yeah, Mortal no, Kombat X is uh, that's a fun. great one. Um, Until Dawn came out in 2015. Uh, yeah, I've actually done a playthrough. I watched you play that. <laughs> yeah, where, we, where I made the worst decisions, right? Yeah, yeah, that, that's kind of a fun <laughs> game. Remy Malik, isn't that? Yeah, Remy yeah, Malik, he's fun. Um, Dying Light, I've never played, but it's notable. I played it. Um, I've heard it's and nice. I will say I haven't played Dying Light 2, but for a zombie open world game, Dying Light is one of the best I played, especially for single player. Um, 
but it's still I don't know. Yeah. It's not anything I went back to. It was fun when it came out, but it's not something I go back to. Um, um also Six. Batman Arkham Knight. I mean, we've Yeah. Well, we'll we have, haven't even we'll, talked about we'll that talk one. We'll talk about that in detail, but let's let's go over a couple okay. of smaller ones first. Uh Rainbow Six Siege came out in 2015. That's notable. Not yeah. played it, but I haven't played it either. That's it very hardcore. Um, oh, it's still big. Assassin's Creed Syndicate came out in 2015. I enjoy it. It's fine. Um, I, I can, think it's a fun world. Yeah, it, it, 1800s London. It had some misses, but it was good in some ways. Um, let's see what other smaller. I'm trying to th- the whole oh, um, um, grapple thing was fun. Yeah. Uh, Star Wars Battlefront came out. In oh, the re the, the EA reboot. remake. Um, the I second played, one is substantially better. I played a ton of that when it came out. Um, and oh, me as well. Yeah, but it felt. I don't know. It, it still it was, felt half baked compared to its sequel. I, I agree. On the other hand, I think there are some things it did really well. I thought it made it did a better job making you feel like you were like part of a battle. Um than right. the sequel did. The sequel felt a lot more like Call of Duty, like everyone's running around trying to get kills. Yeah, it does um, have a bit more of that. And, which is fun, but the the first one had a bit did a better job making you feel like you're you know like part of a battle the sequel um, also had like better prequel stuff and yeah it had the well, sequel the, stuff well the original had no prequel stuff yeah the original <laughs> was just um the original yeah. trilogy yeah it did have the walker assault game mode which i thought was is a bummer that they didn't bring that back for the sequel right that, that was, was a bummer. really good uh game mode um but yeah batman arkham knight I There's assume... some other ones I want to mention before we talk oh, yeah. about that, actually. Uh, Call of Duty Black Ops 3, which we played. Uh, yeah, I think it's the best zombies experience you can get from Call of Duty, if you're into that. Mm-hmm. And with the mods and stuff. Um, yeah, a ton of fun. And yeah, you can play all the old classic zombie maps remastered. So for a zombies fan, Black Ops 3 is like one of my favorite Call of Duty games. Um just for that but i remember the multiplayer was a lot of fun but that's when they went crazy into the futuristic stuff and wall running and different abilities and you're playing as a robot and whatever yeah um which was divisive at at the very (laughs) least i heard modern warfare 3 is trash like the campaign and everything i've I've been hearing (laughs) that too um, I I heard it's basically a glorified, you know, seventy dollar DLC. Like literally, you know how people joke about that. It actually is in this. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the, um, Jeez, yeah. I'm, I'm everybody that keeps falling into that trap. Call of Duty, you can. There's still good stuff that comes out, but you know, you're always gonna get bad ones too because they come out with one every year. Yeah, and they have different developers doing it. Yeah. Um. I would say with Call of Duty, I mean, I would say wait a couple years between releases until you get a good one, you know, and then you can invest. Um, but um, oh, Lego Dimensions came out. I, I didn't know that. Lego Dimensions. Uh, I believe I the, never played uh, it much. 
their early access for Lego Worlds also came out in 2015. Oh yeah. Which is an okay game. It's fun because you know you can collect the toys and kind of like yeah. the uh, what are the dragon games? What are they? What? Not Spyro. It's like a spinoff of Spyro where you collect the toys. Oh, Spy Skylanders. Uh, Skylanders. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's like that. Dimensions. Yeah. So you can play as all these different um, properties that Lego has. Um, Rise also, of Tomb Raider uh, came out that year. I did play that. Not when it came out. I played it. I think the following year, I I, I got it yeah. on sale. Um, and yeah, it's a. It reinvented Tomb Raider. It you know it took a ton from Uncharted, which is funny because Uncharted was took from Tomb Raider and right. upgraded that, and then the new Tomb Raiders uh, took from the new Uncharted's you know the gameplay style and stuff and over yeah. the shoulder you know third person shooter action games. Uh, um, Rocket League came out in twenty fifteen. Oh, had a ton of fun with that with my that's, friends, and I know fun. it's still going on. Um, oh. but yeah, it's just RC soccer. Pretty much, I mean? Yeah. <laughs> just flipping around and making enemies with each other. Um, pissing people off. <laughs> Halo five guardians. I don't know much about that one. I never played that one. It's, it's the one Halo game I've not played any of at all. Uh, I heard it's it was pretty bad. People do not like it very much. Um, and there's some good indie stuff that came out. Um, most notable, uh, Five Nights at Freddy's actually, three and four. Three. Oh wow, three and four came out the same both, year. Wow. Both came out. That I saw the movie, the Five Nights at Freddy's movie. I forgot oh, to nice. mention that. Nice. It was fun. <laughs> it's the type of thing where if you're part of the FNAF fandom for one you're probably really toxic but I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt and say maybe you're one of the good ones um, it's fun if you know about all the lore and stuff which I got really into it when it first came out And but it's also it alienates itself from like standard audiences because it's so fan servicey but at right. the same time if it wasn't fan servicey, the FNAF fandom would, you know, boycott would it. Yeah, would riot. Would riot, yeah. Um, so it's both to its detriment and to its um own benefit that um it was fan servicey. Um, but it was fun. It's a fun, you know, just a horror movie that you could take, you know, kids to. Um but Undertale. Yeah. This is one I've been waiting on. Developed by Toby Fox. It's um kind of a yeah. It's kind of a spiritual successor to Earthbound. Yeah, you know, it's with its gameplay and art direction. You know, and the, it has one of the best like chip tuned soundtracks I've ever heard in a game, and it's definitely worth a playthrough. I recommend it to everybody listening. I recommend it to you, Colton. I remember I because the fandom went so far with it and, it, you know, it got a little toxic um, and the memes were got a little cringy. But I actually played it um, a few years ago. I gave it my first playthrough and it is a beautiful and charming and emotional experience. 
and just a yeah, just a charming little game full of humor and um full of um there's actually real emotional depth there. And it is, yeah, one of my favorite games of all time, actually. Nice. Um, I would definitely recommend Undertale. And it's just, um, yeah, it's a fun experience. I wouldn't want to spoil for anybody uh, that's been living under a rock and doesn't know anything about it. Um, but, yeah, it plays like, you know, those old RPGs. And um, it's, uh, but it's got a lot of charm to it. Like one of the earlier things that can happen in the game you killed a certain character so you can do a pacifist run where you don't kill anybody Mm -hmm. and you get the like good true ending or you could do the genocide run where you kill every enemy um and there's a lot a few different runs you can do but early in the game there's a critical moment where you kill this character and it makes you feel really bad and you if you go back to your previous save and change your decision the game, one of the characters, this little flower character that's a little creep, will tell you that it knows what you did, <laughs> that you went back into the earlier save, essentially. It has a lot of fourth yeah. wall breaking moments there's a like lot that. Of meta, meta and, game um, stuff going there's on a there. lot of meta stuff to it. But it is, yeah, it is an experience I recommend everybody. I haven't actually been in it, but um, I remember when I that was such a comfort game when I um, started playing it. And I started playing it in my freshman year of college. So a little bit after it actually came out a year or two. Um, but yeah, it is not overrated. It, you know, yeah, the fandom, much like the FNAF fandom is pretty toxic and cringe, <laughs> but um, actually give the game a chance. Download it on Steam. I think it's like 15 bucks, you know, um and yeah it's on the switch now i believe yeah uh, i do yeah i have the switch port mm-hmm. but i prefer the pc version i think it's a good game to sit down with a cup of joe and just relax too and um and yeah, yeah the combat's fun like you move your heart cursor around and void pellets basically it's all about the charm that's what carries the game the soundtrack and the charm and it, it really does. It, and I think there's um, a sequel being made. I know there's like a little spinoff called. Um, oh, what is it? Uh, and yeah, Sans is one of my favorite characters. <laughs> <laughs> but um, what's the spinoff? I forget what's. Like, undone. no, not undone. But either way, um, I think there is a pro. Oh, Delta Room, Delta Room. Right. Um, I remember playing a bit of that, but um, the yeah, the first Undertale. Um, I mean, people. There's even a Reddit for games that feel like Undertale. Yeah, it's like, well, just play Undertale again, or play <laughs> Earthbound. Honestly, yeah. Play if if you're an Undertale fan that has an itch for more Undertale type stuff, play Earthbound. That's what I'll say. Um, but yeah, uh, huge game. And really, during this era is when indie games were really making a, I wouldn't say comeback, but they were actually being taken seriously. They were starting to take off. Is over oh, starting here, and then and then the the launch of the Nintendo Switch a couple years later, like was oh really, yeah, the Switch really, really invigorated for, for 
uh, indie Indie. games. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I definitely recommend giving Undertale a download. I mean, you could play it on your on anything. I think that there's even Android versions, probably Apple versions. Yeah. Um, but what else? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's a great year. Um, yeah, you have some duds like the Order eighteen eighty six. I've never played it, but I heard it. You know, just I've heard it's really sucks. short, but like had a really just cool super concept. short. Um, right. Batman Arkham Knight. We we got to talk about it a little bit. Yeah, Arkham Knight. Um, I it has a heavy burden on capping off the Arkham trilogy. Yeah, and um, it is both the best Batman game, but also, I don't know. It 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 was kind of fighting a losing battle on trying to surpass Arkham it, City. I think the problem but, with with Arkham Knight is it gets really bogged down by its side content um as well as like i've been playing it again recently and while it's a lot of fun it's the same cup like few mission structures recycled again and again and again and again well i think it's you either have batmobile combat batmobile races um or stealth scenarios then that's that's like it even like the big like set piece mode moments quote unquote are still like stealth sections that you just have to stealth it, um, um it, it fails just... to live up to the previous games boss battles yeah and to like the combat well, it's, scenarios it's like, because well, it's there's so battles, much batmobile stuff there's so much and there's so stuff. much and it's also and the batmobile is a tank and you're fighting all these drones and everything yeah. And it, I think when Rocksteady was developing the Batmobile for this game, they didn't hold anything back. And But maybe they should have. Maybe the Batmobile should have just been your transportation and that's I mean, it. I do but then like they decided the Batmobile to make combat. it. It's just there's all there is an awful lot of it. And I'm not just talking about the Batmobile stuff. I'm talking about like, so you have a there's a mission where it's a, you have a sniper bat, like it's basically the boss battle with the Arkham Knight and he has a sniper and it's structured just like a stealth section. The same as every other encounter in the rest of the game. It's just the one twist is that there's a guy with a sniper rifle trying to shoot. Well, like with Arkham city, they did a great twist on the stealth sections with the Mr. Freeze boss fight. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, where he's constantly changing environment and adapting to your technique, so you always have to do something different. And, well, and, and Arkham Knight um, does a great job with that sort of stuff. The enemies, the enemy AI is the best in the series. I mean, oh yeah, you you have to switch up your tactics while you're playing constantly. Otherwise, yeah. they will get wise to it and they'll start dropping grenades down the pipes and and uh, um, you know setting up trip mines for you and stuff like that because. The idea is that the Arkham Knight knows Batman's techniques, so he's telling all his soldiers what to look out for. Um, yeah. So it's but really the, okay, it's but really the big good. another just, big elephant in the room. Lacked, it just lacks really good set pieces. The identity of Arkham Knight. When Rocksteady was like, "This is a completely new original character we've come up with," and everything, and everybody yeah. was like, "Oh, it's Jason Todd." Yeah. Red Hood. I I remember because <laughs> it was, had, and it was very obvious. I had not really been into the Arkham series before this game came out. Um, and I didn't. So oh, I, didn't I played even, since Asylum. 
Yeah. Uh, and I, so I hadn't even paid attention to this game when it came out. It was like a couple years later that I actually played it. Um, and I remember I missed the whole controversy of like people saying they knew who it was and or and Rocksteady saying his <laughs> new character. And I remember I had just watched um the animated movie Under the Red Hood. Right. And I remember on Steam, this was on sale. Okay, and I remember looking at the Steam page of them going, Who's the mysterious Arkham Knight? And just looking at the pictures on the Steam page and me going, Oh, it's the Red Hood. Yeah, it was pretty it's, obvious. Um, <laughs> it's Jason Todd, and it obviously. didn't. I I think yeah, the boss fights were much weaker in this game, but overall though, with the combat is the best it's ever been. Oh, the combat's great. Um, I mean, everything's the best it's ever been. Maybe it's a little too much of a good thing. And yeah, I think they just went a little too far with the Batmobile content, and we could have had more unique boss battles and missions but instead yeah. we had just a ton of those batmobile drone missions you know yeah where it's cool at the first time just blowing shit up but it doesn't feel batman yeah it, I mean, it's and fine. it doesn't feel i do like those tank missions but but after a while you're just like oh another tank encounter i got um, so annoyed i i kept wanting more just batman stuff you know yeah. on the ground and it to go another batmobile mission um but also the batmobile mechanics is great yeah i mean you're just smashing through buildings and you're going crazy fast doing big crazy stunts and jumps and i mean i think the riddler sections you know this game is one of those where it's the gameplay itself is super refined really fun but all most of its problems come from the structure of how they built their missions out and how they built just yeah the pacing the is out. a big problem um, but still i mean it is like the ultimate batman experience you can do everything that you would yeah. want batman to be able to do yeah. and um you can launch out of the batmobile and then go gliding basically just soaring through the sky and you know yeah, you have even all, though i think that a all lot of the Gotham pretty much to explore yeah, even though I think some of the side content kind of bogs it down a little bit, some of the like the Riddler stuff and stuff like that. Ultimately, the open world Gotham like does serve the game really I well. I think the only the only thing we've never really seen in a Batman game that Rocksteady should have maybe tried to do with this one, since it was gonna be Gotham City, finally. Just Batman on patrol, like in a normal Gotham City. Not mm -hmm. where it's always on lockdown, but maybe that was just because of the limitations on the time where they didn't want to have to worry about a bunch of NPCs and traffic. But I would love to see that yeah, type of game. I mean, I like think with Insomniac Spider-Man where, you know, I'm you're swinging the over way, the traffic. and I'm guessing that the reason why they did that was because because of the tank. Uh, like the Batmobile. The, they the didn't way want they players. Designed, yeah, the way they running down it, civilians. It's like you wouldn't be able to have very much fun with the Batmobile if they. That's true. So that, that and, makes and, sense. And while I do think design they, wise, they overuse the Batmobile a lot in that game. I have heard some people argue that it's like, you know, they, they put the Batmobile in the game because people since Arkham Asylum have been like, clamoring being like give us give us control of the batmobile well, yeah in the first cutscene, he's driving the batmobile yeah and so when it came time for arkham knight 
they could have just given us a car to drive around in. But they didn't just stop there. They actually gave us like combat mechanics to go with it, which even though it's overused, I appreciate that they did do it's that. well done. It's just a little yeah. too much. Yeah. But if they just like what I've said with Spider-Man 2, like with the web wings and stuff, mm-hmm. if Insomniac didn't do that, people would be complaining that they didn't do enough to differentiate it between the previous game yeah. and with the traversal mechanics. And if they just half-assed it, people would be bitching about that too. But inevitably, if you go all out with it, you're still going to have people complaining that it's too much. Yeah. So like with Rocksteady with the Batmobile, they had to go, they had no other choice but to they, go all out with it because yeah. you would still have more people complaining that it's not enough than the people complaining it's too much. Because yeah. most gamers like having all the crazy OP stuff you can have in a game. Um, at least from what I've seen online, people always complain when you don't have enough uh, abilities or whatever in your game. Yeah. Um, yeah. But like with the Batmobile, um, they did with DLC uh, and paired up with different Batman costumes, you can drive around in the Batman 89 Batmobile. Yeah, you can drive the, the Tumblr. Yeah, yeah. You can have the Batman v Superman one. And you can even have, the Adam West. Yeah, you can have the Adam West one. 66 um, um, the, convertible. The cosmetics in that game are great because not I mean, only is there a ton of really well-designed cosmetics, but I love that... So with the exception of a couple of them, which I think like, I think the Christopher Nolan suit is one of these exceptions. All of the Batman suits are the Rocksteady Batman wearing that suit. Yeah, this big book Batman. So like in the Adam really West suit. <laughs> stupid and awkward. I think there's a couple exceptions. Like I think the Christopher Nolan. I think it looks really good in the 89 suit. Actually is like he is slimmed down in that suit um in the cosmetics right but most of them it's hilarious because it's like it's this giant buff batman from the arkham universe that's like wearing the blue and the blue and uh gray batman (laughs) suit from the 80s like (laughs) right you think there should have been more changes to the model itself no no i love it i love that they did that right I think it's great. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's the ultimate Batman experience, though, if just for the open world free roamy stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it, it, with the whole Arkham series, I think Arkham Origins, even though it wasn't developed as by Rocksteady, I think that's a very underrated game. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Arkham City takes the cake for like the best Batman game. Oh, but yeah. Batman Arkham Knight is the best Batman simulator. Yeah, and and I think I think I think that's a I distinction mean, to be Arkham made. Knight to, I mean, to sum it up, I think it's just there's not enough variation in in the gameplay. Yeah, you know, it's basically you're either in open combat, you're in a stealth scenario, or you're in the Batmobile, and that's it. That's the entire game. But I would also but... say, um, <laughs> visually, I mean, it's still like a few other games here, like with The Witcher Three, but even it got a remaster with mm-hmm. Arkham Knight. I, I feel no need for I I don't think there's any need for it to have a remaster. It's still yeah. I mean it's aged like a fine wine that game. They managed they managed to just it's a yeah. beautiful game with all the rain particles and stuff on your suit and the neon lights of Gotham 
and yeah, it benefits for being set during the night, uh, nighttime the whole time. Uh, yeah, and it's raining but, like the entire game. So yeah, it's... so it has that all that shininess to it. Yeah. Um, but it's still a really good game, and yeah, I love all the. I liked doing the Batmobile um, race tracks and stuff. Like they have the different themed ones, yeah, the eighty, the eighty nine one, and they have the um. Adam West one, that one's yeah. fun. No, at times they make really good use of the Batmobile. It's just that they maybe use it a little too much. Um, yeah, well, and I like a... using the... When I play that game, I mostly try to use the Batmobile, especially like if you play with the 89 Batmobile, which is my favorite Batmobile de- design, fight mm-hmm. me. It's Same. the best Batmobile design. Um, but like you can't transform into a tank. Yeah. So you can't do certain gameplay aspects. You can only play it in new game, like after you beat in the story, pretty much. Yeah, that's where it's more enjoyable. Where it feels like an extension of Batman, not this other gameplay element they just threw in, just because they felt like they had to. Mm-hmm. That's where it felt like the Batmobile I wanted in the Batman game, where it's just a fast, bulky car with bat aesthetics and a jet engine. Yeah. um and they and they do a good job with the with the whole um like you you can do the whole batman like stalking the criminals type of thing you hear them talking amongst themselves yeah uh the fear mechanic is really well done Um, oh yeah and like the gliding mechanic you know is a ton of fun when you can dive off up buildings and then glide at the last second and stuff like that and get big boost um also i we talked about this uh, last uh, last night, but um, they're adding the Pattinson Batman costume. Yeah, we don't know the switch port. I guess. Yeah, we don't know completely what the plan is, but they accidentally updated the Epic Game Store PC version with the 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 Pattinson suit. Um, that Batman and, and then yeah. removed it very quickly. Um. And I guess the the best guess is that with the Switch trilogy port coming out of the Arkham games, um, that they're going to be adding some new cosmetics, maybe, and probably. I'm really curious to see how this port works out. At least PC players, those cosmetics. I know it it did get delayed again, uh, which is smart. You don't want to release a horrible Switch port. We've seen how that goes well, i mean mortal Kombat. <laughs> i mean it's it's a game but, that uh if the switch port turned out like really well kind of like how they did you know the witcher 3 was a good port um yeah. if i didn't have a steam deck i would totally want to get those games on the switch right um, but you have a steam deck have, so. yeah <laughs> um, um i hope they add the um the batman uh charger or the muscle car whatever it is oh yeah that would be cool that yeah. would be a ton of fun to race that's around a, in. That's a great version. And honestly, if we did a Batmobile ranking, that would be pretty high up there in my list. That's a great one. Because it's I... just a souped up muscle car. It's just a car. Yeah. That you know, that's what I like about <laughs> it. Yeah, that's um, a great one. Uh yeah, yeah. I mean the Batmobiles it can be a tank, it can be whatever, but for me it's a car. Yeah. It's a transportation for Batman. Um, but yeah, that's definitely, yeah, I think, yeah, they definitely went way too far with the Batmobile in that game. Um, 
and it took away from other mechanics that should have been in it and like boss fights that could have been in it but uh yeah i think that's still my... a really good game yeah. but the weakest of the arkham trilogy because like i said it's a great batman simulator but arkham city's a better batman game yeah it does it does sit in this weird spot where it has a lot of flaws compared to the other batman games but the core mechanics are really really well refined oh yeah like definitely <laughs> um yeah but uh <laughs> any uh, any other games to bring up i think that's the main ones um uh, there's definitely some other stuff in here but you know i don't oh yeah city skylines came out i know city skylines too yeah. is what really is popular now and they're doing another one i think it's just called city skylines again <laughs> um their branding's a little confusing but if you're into city sims i heard that's like what sim shitty sims city should be and it, it basically surpassed sim city yeah, and now city e, skylines ea the... completely fucked over the sim city franchise yeah <laughs> um, um xenoblade chronicles uh i've never yeah. played any xenoblade games but i'll mention it for any of those fans uh <laughs> guitar uh forza oh forza motorsport 6 again yeah forza's fun i i don't know too much about that game in particular but um you know there yeah. you go just throwing your bone for racing game fans um anything else that stands out oh guitar hero live the failed attempt to keep guitar hero alive uh no, uh, no pun intended we're uh, i played a bit of it in uh clone hero i played it like a ported version of it essentially on clone hero and you're yeah. playing along it's just live footage it doesn't have the cg character the game characters anymore you're just playing with live footage and it's just very cheesy like you have guys like looking right at you like yeah you rock man you know stuff like that <laughs> <laughs> or if you do bad they're like boo you uh <laughs> Uh, it's pretty cringy. I mean, there's some decent songs they put on there, but I never played it. I never bought it when it came out. I was over Guitar Hero. Last I mean, actual after, Guitar I mean, Hero I played was Guitar Hero World Tour. Same. As well, and I played some one. of the rock. I played the Beatles rock band and stuff just because I was a huge Beatles nerd. But yeah. um, uh, but I play real guitar. But I I recently <laughs> got back into Guitar Hero again with Clone Hero, um, yeah. Because there's just so much there, but it takes up a lot of space on your hard drive to download those songs and stuff. Um. But yeah, I mean, really though, with the big highlights, Bloodborne, Metal Gear Solid Five, uh, Witcher Three, Fallout Four. Yeah, yeah I mean, amazing I, year. I don't want to, I don't want to put too many of these years in S tier, but this is <laughs> this is undeniably S tier. Oh S-tier yeah, an Undertale. Um, it is definitely an S tier year. Um, like there's multiple I mean, games on here that have almost permanent spots on my hard drive. Like yeah, that I just never. Well, yeah, uninstall. like I said, there's multiple. <laughs> like there's multiple games here that not only I still play from time to time, or I've just never really stopped playing, mm-hmm. like with Fallout 4, especially mods, I still go back to Arkham Knight. I still am doing on, I'm on my eighth playthrough of Bloodborne, you know. Um, yeah, still playing Metal Gear Phantom Solid. Uh... I'm, 
<laughs> still playing Undertale. I still haven't actually beat it, uh, but it's a great game. I've yeah. still played Black Ops 3. I mean, that's not one of the big ones to mention here, but I'm just saying I'm still playing it some. Um, yeah, and for a, a lot of, of these years, of these I mean, games are games that keep they keep getting talked about on YouTube right. or game journalist websites, you know, and like the games so far, I mean. I mean, that says a lot, and that's just not basing off what we're reading and uh, how many games got game of the year or whatever. Reviews say these are games that we still play eight years later that are still talked about, that we still care about, that I still consider some of the best games of all time. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So, yeah, 2015, big year for gaming and a definite S tier for me. Yeah, same. I would agree. Um, you know, it'll be interesting going to another significant year for us in gaming is would be 2018. Uh, for me, Spider Man and that's Red Dead Redemption too. Two. That's, that's the next year. After I don't this know. That comes to mind. Is it going to have as many games? Yeah, as 2015. I mean... I mean, I know uh, it has we some continue to play excellent games, but uh, um, I don't know if it's an S tier game a year. I mean, 2018, let's take a quick look here. Red Dead 2, God of War, Spider-Man, Smash Bros. Ultimate. I mean, those three alone are enough, but um, yeah, but that's only there's not a lot of other ones that stand I don't out. still play God of War. Um, I played through God of War once, beat it yeah. and played the sequel. Assassin's Red Dead 2, Creed yeah. Odyssey's, Everybody still plays Red Dead 2. Assassin's Creed Odyssey is pretty fun, but it's nothing amazing. Uh, you know. Right. But anyways, I mean, we'll we'll talk about that at some other point. We're yeah. probably going to go back, uh, far back again for the next one. Because we're, we're, um, ranking, we're ranking not based off of the individual games, but the year as a whole. So I'd say totally an S year. Yeah, definitely with 2015. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Anyways, that would be the end of this episode. But before we uh, sign off here. So, yeah, we've been doing video games in time. And then Colton came up with the brilliant idea. It's not a crazy brilliant idea, to be honest. Well, it's a good idea. I I, I don't (laughs) want to take away from your idea. But it's not like, oh, wow, we just created something new. It's an uh, obvious idea. (laughs) It's an obvious idea, but it's so obvious that I can't believe we haven't done it years ago. Um we're going to start uh, doing movies in time. I guess we'll yeah keep it the same thing, movies in time. And um, where it's like the same thing here, we pick out, go through some of the most notable movies that came out within a given year. And since movies have been out even longer, much longer in video games, we're going to have a lot more uh, to uh, dive into as far as yeah. time periods and um film genre and styles and uh yeah there's gonna be a lot there and a lot of content that we can keep doing especially for those times we can't come up with anything new or unique (laughs) yeah Um, so yeah look forward to some movies in time um it's probably gonna be a while because that's gonna take a lot more prep um yeah it depends on the year honestly it depends on the year um but I think I definitely want to take the time to actually watch some new stuff and maybe try to watch mm. some foreign movie films, you know, and 
dip my toes into stuff that um I haven't seen before. Same thing with video games in time, but um this yeah. year was just too easy. This, yeah, was this was <laughs> um, Yeah. Uh but anyways. anyways uh stay tuned next time uh instagram facebook follow us on social media um at all drunk pod yep uh leave reviews on your streaming service if you can we always appreciate it um i appreciate seeing those downloads of yeah. course but if you don't if you don't want us to take up space on your hard drive or on your phone uh just give us a a subscription on your platform of choice, you know, or something like that. Yeah. 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 Give us a little heart on Spotify or a little five <laughs> stars would be really nice. You know? <laughs> oh yeah. Anyways, we'll see you next week. This is not a test. I repeat, this is not a test. The odd drunk podcast recommends you follow their Instagram and join their Facebook group for more fun content. To visit all of our current streaming and social media platforms, visit the link tree in the description. If you enjoy the show, we would be appreciated it if you would leave a review on Apple Podcasts. The Odd Drunk Podcast would like to remind you to drink responsibly and not to drink and drive. <laughs>